Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I am a fan. I can look at them all day long and die laughing. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. We need to collaborate on an intro for this. We've been doing this segment for a year. We need, like, some poker chips or something. Like, we need... Applause isn't going to do it. A Vikings horn, I don't know. Minnesota sports prop bets is the segment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Morphed from Vikings uh, prop bets. What can we, we... we already do the gambling open with uh, Todd Furman, so that's kind of off the board. We need we need something to jazz this up, though. I'll come up with something really brilliant. I'm sure. Okay. So brilliant. Okay. The most brilliant open of all time. Um, the emails keep coming in on this this ridiculous argument that took place in the nine o'clock hour that we can get back to later. But yeah, we have some Judd's good ones anxiety here. about old athletes. By the way, it's up to I think it's up to a full 100 percent of people did not know that Willie Mays fell down in the 1973 World Series. It's up to 100%. It's gone to 100%. Yeah, it's gone from, it's gone from 85% to 100%. That's crazy. And we've gotten some great no- notes about this, and a lot of them agree with me now. I've rallied very strong in this argument. Yeah, I guess if you were born in 1940 and you don't watched baseball in the 70s, then you lash, remember You're now down. lashing out. <laughs> you're now lashing out at people, which is exactly what, what we talked about yesterday. We need to have an understanding of people, not lash out oh, at them. Yeah. Remember these conversations? Oh, let's Go listen back to your first now two segments and let's talk about an understanding I'm of people. I'm educating people. <laughs> Being an educator is tough, tough work, Phil. <laughs> Hold on. Well, before we get to Minnesota Sports Prop Bets, my favorite thing about these segments were like, Judd and I disagree. When Judd is when Judd has an odd opinion on something, when when like <laughs> when when not that many people see eye to eye with Judd, which is what which is what this argument is, and you are indignant that like ninety percent of the listeners are behind you, and yes, we all remember Willie Mays, and we all remember this and that. It's like, no, you're speaking to the minority, but you're acting like you have ninety percent of the army behind you, and I think that gap is funny. Okay. I'm just trying to tell you that as be prepared it, it for appears, pushback when you bring up arguments like that. It just it just appears that uh, that uh, via notes that we're getting on Twitter and especially emails that I'm rallying very strong with a lot of people backing me up now. Okay, good. All right, Minnesota sports prop bets. Let's start with this one. Byron Buxton in 2018. I bring to you the FanGraphs projection, known as Zips. Not exactly sure what ZIPS stands for, but it's the okay. 2018 projection for Byron Buxton. Okay. I'm just going to go through this, and you tell me uh, you tell me if this is over, under, or spot on for, mm-hmm. for like a, a bunch of these categories. Mm-hmm. 143 games played. Over, under, or spot on-ish. 
We'll just go through a bunch. I'm going to say spot onish. I'm going to say under. I think he plays. I think he plays like 155 or 160. I'm going to hope it's under. I mean, you always have the Judd Zolgad fear of getting injured running into the center field wall. I which guess could take happen. a few days. Which could but... happen at this point in time. Yeah. That's yeah. True. The hope is you got to have at least 150. Yeah. Right? How about oh, spot on? Is 18 homers too low? Spot on or too high? Dave, that's what they project. I get 16 last year. Ooh. I think it's about right. If anything, I'd say maybe it's a little bit too high. I don't see him as like a 20 home run guy quite yet, but man, 16 last year. Why not? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go. I think eventually that that's probably, he's going to exceed that, but I think for this year, it's a little bit below that probably. I think he hits 20. I'm going to go above. He certainly has 20 or 30 home run power and potential. I mean, when he hit, when he gets into a ball, Plus, he could hit two or three inside the Parkers pretty easily, too. Uh, how about, well, this seems pretty low. He had 29 stolen bases last year. They said 24. Let's set it at 35. Is 35 too high, too low, or spot on? Um, You know what? If he has a full season, that's a semblance of his second half. It is too low. He will. He will. If if he has a if he has a quality season offensively, gets on base enough, he will go. He will get forty. It might be spot on, but it should be too low. Forty is I would I would call the minimum. If you're right, if he gets on base, yeah, that guy should be running day and night. It's weird because he's not great at stealing bases. Um, up until last year, he had like I think he only he's only been thrown out a few times in his whole career. But he, it's almost like he doesn't attempt enough or not something. Not entirely comfortable or di- didn't look at. But, yeah. yeah, I think he goes. I think if he can carry the second half into an entire season, I think he goes for about 40. I'll say 35 is is pretty spot on. How about a 246 projected batting average? Too low spot on or he hit 253 last year. Too low spot on or too high? That's too low. It gets higher. I, assuming he doesn't go complete turtle for two months of the season again, with the, with with the speed and his ability to hit the ball over the wall too, you have to be at least what two sixty. Yeah, agreed. I think he goes. I think he should hit between. You would hope for between realistically two sixty five and two seventy. So I'm going to say that is too low. That's disappointing if that's. The I case. think it's way too low too. Like it. Should, I don't think he's a three hundred hitter with the strikeouts. But uh, and then on base percentage. Uh, so three thirty would be like pretty solid in the major leagues. He was 314 last year and he's projected around depending on uh the 310. They're going with 310 here. Too low for me. I think it's too low too. Too low. If that's if if their projection on on batting average and on bases right, they're both very disappointing to me. No, I completely agree with you. Cool. It, sh- it should be better. It it's I, I think it's pro- pro- projecting on what he's done the last two seasons where at least two months have just been where the hell were you? Yeah. All right. Wild, uh, Minnesota sports prop at Minnesota Wild. Trade deadline coming up in less than a week. Over or under one and a half moves at the deadline. Now, this could be buyers or sellers. Yes. We don't know yet. I don't yes. I don't know if they're going to be selling at this point because they're in the playoff mix. But one and a half over or under moves at the deadline for the Wild. I am going to say under. I think they might make one. Personally, I would make zero. Un- unless I was going to sell off a piece, I... I- would say that I will give this roster a chance as is to make the playoffs, but I'm not going to make any type of more of, of selling off future assets type of deal. So I think they'll probably make one knowing them. So I will go under one and a half. Yeah. If you had put it at a half, I'd be tempted to take the under two. I definitely think one is the max. 
Um, I yeah, I think they're going to be buyers, and I think it's going to be something. I'm going to go under. It'll be one trade. They'll make one trade that something totally underwhelming. Yeah, doesn't really yeah, do anything. That's, that's my guess. Kind of like they've done in in uh, years past. So the Twins just traded for. We did this, I think, last week or the week before in uh, our prop bet segment. But the Twins have traded for a pitcher. So Jake Odorizzi is uh, now in the rotation. Let's set the over-under at 86.5 wins for the Twins. That puts them right, like that 86 mark, 87 wins, puts them right in the mix for a wild card spot. Over or under 86.5 wins for the Twins. Dave, you want to start us off? Yeah, in the interest of keeping the summer interesting and exciting, over. Over. It might not be a lot. Well, it won't be a lot over, but why not? They've got the offense. They've got the uh, the lineup. Back it up with decent pitching and an improved bullpen. You can win games. Two weeks ago, minus the trade, you threw this out at 80-something, and I said under because I, I thought they would take a step back. With the trade now and with the potential um, that you would hope that they might add one more pitcher, I will say slightly over. Yeah. I like the trade. The trade makes a big difference to me. And remember, you're playing almost 20 against the Tigers. Yeah. yeah. You better take 15. But if you improve, if you're going to, you've improved the rotation right now, and, and if it's going to uh, potentially take another step, I'm going to go slightly yeah. over that number. I think it's over because I think, it, I, I'm with you guys, and I think there's potential now that if you if you don't make a trade for someone else or sign someone else, that you'll be good enough to be in the mix as buyers. And you'll make a move that needs to be made sometime in July. And so maybe you're not, if you took this team from start to finish, I don't know if it's an 88, 90 win team. But if you take this team to the trade deadline and then make a move for a Chris Archer or a Cole Hamels or somebody, yes, exactly. that puts you over the top and you start to feast on the teams that are, uh, that are sellers. And like your division is a disaster. White Sox, you should Tigers. be crushing. And, and the Royals, Royals aren't going to step back. They didn't re-sign Hosmer. They're yeah. not going to re-sign Moustakis. They're going to be bad. You got uh, one team, Cleveland, and yep. th- that's basically it. And you actually, I think you like you were pretty competitive in games against Cleveland for uh, the did, last couple of years. Didn't, so didn't they do last year? I think they did really well in Cleveland it was and the struggled home and against Cleveland thing. here. Yeah, Twins couldn't beat them at Target yeah. Field, but they won like the first five or six in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, so those are your Minnesota sports over unders. Let's come back here from the TCL broadcast studios. Judd posing a Vikings question that I think we were all just too traumatized to pose. If you're a fan, like it was just too traumatizing to pose this question too soon. in the moment. Maybe it's not too soon anymore because Judd's going to pose it when we come back here. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. This one's better than a kick in the jaw. On 1500 ESPN. Bridgewater. Keenum. Cousins, you might be sick of hearing about the Vikings quarterback situation, but we're still talking about it. Let's keep beating it into the ground with some more reckless speculation. That's right. Our old school. This horse is not dead yet. Another lashing. Down. Uh, We have a question to pose here. Mm-hmm. But on our on mm-hmm. on Judd's anxiety about athletes hanging on too long. I don't know it's anxiety. I don't really have an anxiety about it. I have a definite feeling about it. Uh, Jay tweets in, is this just Judd's subtle way of telling Roycey it's time to hang it up and call it a career? 
hang it up before it gets too embarrassing at the end. Do you guys think I would ever do something like that? Do you really think that I would ever do that? Just because I you call still him... enjoy watching Patrick Royce work his magic, or do you think he's Peyton Manning just, near the end? You kicked him off the Saturday show. Just that be, is true. Just because I, I've accused Conniving. him of being the Favre of the, the local Twin City sports scene here, because he's Brett Favre. I mean, he did definitively tell us all. Last day of the Ryder Cup in 2000, what was it, 16? I'm going to walk, I'm going to write my last column, and I'm walking away after that. And then that came and went. And then I think there were more idle threats, and uh, and he's still here. So I would never, ever, ever insinuate that Patrick has passed his prime because he's not. That being said, well, he's he is, definitely passed his prime. He is far like, well, he's still he's still a fantastic columnist. I mean, he, Bob, he would Bobby, admit he's passed his prime. He's said yeah. it himself. He's still, but I'm saying he's still fabulous. So I am defending him, but he is far like in the fact that the threats to retire do continue to keep coming. You know what he is? Remember Todd Helton. In the in the yes. late nineties, Todd Helton Tennessee. hit like three fifty every year in, in Coors and hit a bunch of home runs. Yeah. And Todd Helton was no longer a power hitter for like the last seven years of his career. But he hung on, like he did other things well. That's kind of pat, right? I was like, thinking Jamie Moyer. <laughs> He's still around? Are you kidding me? So we've got so here's the amazing Julio thing. Julio Franco? Wait, what? <laughs> That he looks still, like that, and he's still playing? Pinch, hit, pinch hitting for the Atlanta Braves. So, Roycey, if I'm not mistaken, is 72, correct? Uh, yes. It's in there, sure. He is still he is still 25 years younger than the oldest member of the uh, Twin Cities sports media landscape. A full generation younger. Yes. Think about that. He is a kid. He is a child compared to Sid. How mu- what percentage of Royce still doing as much as he's doing at age 72 is because he doesn't want to retire before Sid. And I don't by the think, way, Sid won't retire. I don't think that's I don't think Sid will stop in another way if he I think Patrick knows I don't think that Sid has a thing to do with it. I think Patrick knows that if he were to get, give up the radio and the Star Tribune column <laughs> he would have nothing to do. I mean, unless he traveled, unless he started to travel I mean, he's still, he's in Fort Myers now. As far as I can tell, he goes to the ballpark every single day. So if he gives those things up, he's going to go to the well, ballpark. You can still go to the ballpark yeah, I know, and but just it's like not, send but, tweets but, out. But you don't feel as, my, my guess is. Well, Twitter gives you 100, 280 the characters The wouldn't now. feel the same, though, to him. He I feels, know. I think if Patrick were to give up the Star Tribune column and his show on the station, he'd go to the ballpark and be like, well, I'm here, but what am I doing? And he could tweet some pithy stuff. But think about this. The man has has how many platforms now? He's got the Twitter platform. He's got the Star Tribune platform. He's got his show every day. I think if he gives the, these things up, he basically would be like, oh, what the hell am I going to do now? Yeah, but he could. I, th- I think he could start his own. Like at some point, he could start his own podcast. I mean, he does Royce Rambles with you once a month what, or whatever. He's here, but he could ramp that up. Like he could pretty easily be the seventy-two well, year old sure. guy who not only embraces Twitter but has a great podcast and a website or something. Anyway, I could see him. I am pioneering. not calling. For, I am not calling for the retirement of Patrick Royce. <laughs> then you're a hypocrite. If that gets down to no, I'm not. I'm a hypocrite. Reckless speculation. Oh, okay. all right. All right. So I've got a bit of of reckless speculation for you. In Dave's open, I think you heard the names of Keenum, and I think Teddy was worked in there, and certainly Kirk Cousins, who we have talked about quite a bit so far this week on the show. But I'm going to give you a new name, and we I think we 
brought up this guy's name briefly before I went on vacation. It was too soon. And we dismissed it very quickly. So it was too soon. Let's let's go back on, on this because I've seen more and more pieces about this in the past couple days. Would ya consider making a trade for Nick Foles, who is uh who has a salary cap hit of seven point six million dollars for next season? His contract extends beyond that, but I think if he starts n- next year, the contract pretty much automatically voids. Um, now, now, Bill Polian, who had a rough day with, at ESPN yesterday, yeah, he had a rough day because first of all, he said Lamar Jackson was too short to play quarterback. When it turns out that Lamar Jackson's something like six uh, six foot two, but he also did he mean too black to play quarterback? Like that's, that's, that's how all, that's how it came off. I know it did. I so yeah. so that was that was bad. But then he also said that the Eagles' value on full should be such that any offer that they, if they're going to listen to an offer for the guy who ultimately is going to be their backup quarterback at some point in 2018, the offer should start with two first-round picks and two second-round picks. Hmm. Okay, let's. that's just dumb. That's stupid. But would you make a reasonable trade, and let's start, with, let's start this with a high draft pick but not a first-rounder, for Nick Foles? Would you offer up a second-round pick? No. No, but not for the reasons necessarily that that you might think. So, um, I do I do think it was too soon to talk about the guy who daggered the Vikings in a, a blowout, devastating, embarrassing NFC Championship game loss. Like to even bring up Nick Foles' name right after the Super Bowl as a possibility. And his for the coordinator was, is here now, which makes it a little right. bit more plausible. Yeah, his his quarterbacks coach. Um, so there. I think there is some appeal in pairing up John DeFilippo and a guy that he's very familiar with in Nick Foles. But I, I think if you're looking at your assets, and there's two different types of assets you can give up to get a quarterback here. There's cap room assets, and you have a lot of that. You've got almost $60 million in cap room. Or there's draft pick assets. And you and I both agreed if it was like a third-round pick for Alex Smith and maybe you give him an extension. Now, we didn't want to play poker to the level that the – that the Washington Redskins played poker. That's just a lot of guaranteed money for a guy who's in his mid thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would prefer the Vikings give up money as opposed to draft picks because they only have five draft picks. So if I'm going to give up a draft pick, a second or third round pick for something of value and in a quarterback, it would have to be more of a franchise changing player. So unless it's an Aaron Rodgers in his prime, which obviously that's off limits. Or if you went cross sports, if it's a stud pitcher that sets you up for a World Series, I'll give up more to get that if it puts me over the top. I don't think you should trade for someone when you only have a handful of draft picks that's at the peak of their value and isn't a franchise-changing player. So you'd be paying a premium on Nick Foles because this is the most he's ever going to... He's a Super Bowl MVP. He led the Eagles to a, to, to a championship, their first Super Bowl of all time in 50-plus years of Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. And his salary is very manageable. He's not making the $20 million that, like, Mike Glennon almost made $20 million last year. So uh, I think Nick Foles is a really good complimentary piece that, in the right system, you can win with him. I don't think he's the type of guy that, if you can pay money for a quarterback and do that instead... I think you do it. I don't think you give up a second round pick for or more, maybe if you would believe you give the up reports. a third round pick. No, if you could get it down to a third round pick, I would. Not. I would do that deal. I would not do. I probably would. I would probably balk at a second round pick. At a third round pick, I would do it. And I, I think if you made that trade, that you could put my Alex Smith plan back into place. Here. I think Alex Smith is better than Nick Foles. So I that, think he probably. I think he probably is. But my point being, my point being is, if the question to me is this. 
what type of chance would Nick Foles give you uh, to win in 2018? And I think it would be pretty good. I don't know better than Case Keenum did I, the Vikings last year. I mean, but I, don't I would think he's st- better than Case Keenum. I think he had. I had to get a couple really good games. I don't know about that. I think he is. I I like it more than Case. But you would. But you I said like it more the exact opposite two months ago. So do, do two games change your opinion? Like we laughed at that notion when which one? Uh, tail of the tape: Vikings and, and Eagles. Mm-hmm. And we had a, we consensus agreed at that time that Case Keenum was. Advantage Vikings because it's Nick Foles laugh out loud. Yeah, and and we shouldn't have though. That was dumb. My mistake. But couldn't you? I shouldn't have laughed at that. Couldn't you make the case? But 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 here's what Nick Foles, much like Case Keenum, has been decidedly mediocre at almost every stop except once for Foles in 2013. If you're that up and down and sporadic based on your circumstances, Mm -hmm. to me, you're not worth giving up a lot of assets for. Unless you have a lot of those assets and the Vikings don't have a lot of draft pick assets. And that's why I'm saying that that I would definitely consider doing it for a third round pick and a second would probably be too rich. My point being this. One, laughing at Foles was dumb. We were wrong there. To laugh at Foles was to to make an assumption that in, uh, in yeah. fact in fact in fact that was as mistaken as as our original notion which was to laugh at Keenum and that was basically taking guys who had played too long probably in that Rams system which clearly didn't work and screwed them up and now going back and admitting that mistake I think if I could do it for a third round pick at that salary it would put me in a position where I would strongly consider it and Nick Foles I'm not saying I'm completely sold here but we definitely have seen a quarterback when he's put in the right environment with the right coaching, and if he's given the weapons around him, that, that he would be here because they'd be pretty good, would have a high chance for success. So I think Nick Foles, to varying degrees here, like I'm not saying that they're all equal, but Nick Foles, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, um, who else could I put in this bin? Let's let's take those three guys. Those three guys, to me, are are very similar in that for 2018, and Bridgewater has more upside because he's still younger. If he can stay healthy, like there's some upside there. Those aren't the type of guys that are going to carry a flawed roster to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. So they're not even near that category. They need perfect circumstances around them to play the way that they do. And like they deserve credit for taking advantage of great circumstances, Keenum and Foles, and and you know thriving in the regular season for Keenum and in the postseason for Foles. But if that's what they are, if they're kind of complementary pieces that you plug in and they thrive only when the car is not dented, I would rather spend money on that than one of my five draft picks. So that's where I stand. I'm not laughing at Foles anymore either. You're right. We were wrong on yeah, the Nick Foles thing. That was a mistake on our part. But I'd rather spend money on Case Keenum than a draft pick on Nick Foles. That's that's how I would I think that's I've, how I would view it. I've come to the conclusion that I do have I I have a higher faith in Foles not to make mistakes at key at key times than I do in case. And that's that's my thing. That's the thing is and and that would be the question to the Vikings is because the one the one thing that I always thought when Zimmer uh, continually refused to put his faith in Keenum and to back him and he kept playing him, but you always had this weird feeling was that Zimmer was waiting for a game like basically what started to happen in the second half against the Saints, and then uh, his defense clearly didn't play well against Philly in the uh, in the conference title game. But Keenum also struggled. It was that Zimmer was waiting for that type of game to happen, and ultimately it did. So the question then becomes: Do you have faith that Foles wouldn't fall into the same trap and, and have that type of game at a key moment? And I think the answer is yes. And but this is why I'm saying. Th- third round pick to start off with. I'm not saying first or second round pick. A first round pick is a no-go for sure for me for Foles. A second round pick, I might give it some thought. I probably ultimately say no. 
But my point being is I think that there would be a higher level of faith in Nick Foles than in Case. And that might be wrong, but that's my sense. One thing to note about Nick Foles, if you're wondering, you know, all right, how much to buy into this thing that happened, like how much can he carry it over into the next season? So he was incredible in 2013. He was he started 10 games, he threw 27 touchdowns, only two interceptions. He led the league in yards per attempt. He led the league in touchdown percentage. He led the league in passer rating. He was incredible. He looked like a star on the rise, and mm-hmm. part of it was Chip Kelly's up-tempo offensive system. Wow, Nick Foles. Man, this is a bright, rising star You know, quarterback. The next year, that team went 10-6 and six around him in 2014 in still a very highly touted offensive system. He was awful. He had a he had an eighty one point four passer rating, which is in this day and age is not good. Uh, he got benched halfway through the season. Completion percentage went from sixty four down to fifty nine. Interceptions from two up to ten in two fewer games, and yards per attempt decreased by more than two per attempt. Mm-hmm. So he he wasn't able to carry over the momentum when when he had the incredible two thousand thirteen season. And like that's why I lumped Case Keenum into the same bin. If you weren't highly touted out of college. And if you don't have a track record of multi-year success, it's more likely to be a pop-up than sustainable, which is another reason why I just wouldn't give up a lot for... And I wouldn't sign Case Keenan to a multi-year deal either, but I'd rather give it one year of money than like a third-round draft pick that could be a starter The question becomes this, though. There, there is no quarterback who the Vikings could currently, could currently probably obtain and or sign who you have complete faith in. No, like but there's there's flaws in all, every but draft one of these are discussions more scarce than money for the Vikings is flawed. But that's that's why I'm saying it's not ideal. But I would at least consider I would entertain a th- a third round pick. I would entertain that. Sure. But I mean, this is a list full of guys with with potential flaws, and that's what makes Cousins so scary. Cousins is flawed too, and for the amount of cash that he's going to be guaranteed, that one scares you, because at least a, the rest of these conversations are are about guys who aren't going to make that much or break the bank immediately. Cousins is the one guy who, and and if you're th- thinking that Cousins is going to move into that group of of the Brady's, Rodgers, and this group of elite quarterbacks, it's not going to happen. Right, but Cousins, but here's the difference between, and we can, we're can we going to get to stuff here, but the difference between Cousins and Foles, well, I mean, and money is a huge difference too. Kirk Cousins is a huge question in, in that, is he a league average quarterback or is he like the eighth best quarterback or is he fringe top five? There's no question that Kirk Cousins is a viable starting quarterback anymore. He's been that way for three years. There's still a question that Nick Foles is a viable full season starting quarterback because he's never been that ever. Mm-hmm. The, like he's been that for 10 games before, but he's never been that for 16 or for multiple years. So, all right, we can get back to this. And yes, we we see some of your tweets. We will continue to warn you guys when we're going to beat the quarterback conversation into the ground. We gave you a heads up this time. So it's your fault if you're still listening 15 minutes, <laughs> if you're hate listening 15 minutes later. Dave, what's coming up next in stuff? Maybe they're just tuning in early for stuff. That could be that the could case. Be. Yeah, that happened yesterday with Garage Logic, apparently. Yeah, yeah, you guys going with this crappy lead and if quarterback talk really hurts stuff's feelings. But we've got Olympic talk, we've got comedy news, we've got Louisville penalties, we got drinking stories. It's all good. Mackie and Judd are back. Lights, on 1500 ESPN. Stuff you should know about is sponsored by your neighborhood Ace. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Your neighborhood Ace has a wide selection of products from the best brands, plus the expertise you need to take on any project with confidence. Only at Ace, the helpful place. Woo! 
Ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps as we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. All right, Dave Harrigan, give us the stuff. Let's talk about honoring America. Let's do it. To the line, and the United States has done it from Sweden and Norway. Oh, what a performance from Jess Diggins. History for the United States. Gold medal performance. Jesse Diggins, Keek, and Randall pairing up in the cross country to win the very first women's medal of any kind in cross country skiing in the Olympics. First gold for any American man or woman. Talk about that, Judd. I'm really excited. I think it's a great story. I think it's fantastic. I think everyone who wants to participate in a sport should do it, and I think the fact that they give out medals for it is fantastic, and congratulations to all involved. I didn't watch a second of it. This is it. Bobby Butler must score to keep this game alive for the U.S. And he does not. The Czech Republic wins. They will advance to the medal round. No goals for the Americans in the shootout. A five-round shootout. They're blanked. One, two, three, four, five. They're out. Tony Granato. Our guys were great. We lost one game in regulation and five games against a pretty good world power. So we played great hockey. Just didn't go our way. Come on, Judd, go. Well, I mean, their name is the Czech Republic. You played OAR. You lost to o- you lost to a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Did he really say world powers? They also could, lost to Slovenia. Could they just have brought TJ Oshi? Could they have, could they have gone with the amateur guys and just brought TJ Oshi for the shootouts in overtime? I mean that might have that might have actually won them at least a bronze medal. What was the guy's name who, who missed the final shot in the shootout for the U.S.? This is it. Bobby Butler. Okay, that is the perfect name. That is the perfect name for the most nondescript Olympic hockey team ever put together. And for NBC, by the way, last night to have the audacity to tweet about a potential miracle. So let's compare America. Could there be another miracle on ice? Shove it up your you-know-what. This was the most useless hockey tournament of all time. Honest to God. Yeah, if, if you were, well, first of all, you can't complain about it being a useless hockey tournament and also, like, commend the NHL for not sending professional caliber players over. We're going to get to that in another segment later on. If you were to take the name Bobby Butler and say, all right, rank the sports, like just start guessing the sports that Bobby Butler plays based on name alone, how many would you go through until you got to hockey? Oh. oh. For sure, football, baseball, basketball. Yep. I would say maybe even soccer. Yeah, Bobby Butler. Oh, yeah, Bobby Butler as a hockey player would probably be very, pretty low, right? It would probably be seven or so. Oh, maybe. Bobby, 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 Bobby. Is, a, is, is an old-school hockey name. The Bobby Butler, give me a break. I've got no problem about it. Let's talk about Louisville. The uh, the hammer came down. They lose their appeal to the NCAA. They've got to vacate wins. They've got to pay about $600,000 back. The 2013 National Championship banner is already gone. Rick Pitino might have to remove the 2013 National Championship <laughs> tattoo he has on his back. Not sure about that. Is that an NCAA-mandated thing that he has to remove it? Or Unclear can, it about that. We'll, we'll have to find that out. But uh, Greg Postel, uh, Dr. Greg Postel, I should say, is the interim president at Louisville. And, oh, he's not happy. I cannot say this strongly enough. We believe the NCAA is simply wrong to have made this decision. The facts of this case are simply terrible. 
causing many to find the detail of the appeal not compelling. It is also important to note that precedent for such a case does not exist and that the NCAA Infractions Committee has wide discretion as it determines penalties. The pain this decision has created for our fans and our players who were not involved in the events in question is perhaps the most regretful result of this determination. Wait a second. Hey, hey Greg. Oh. <laughs> Your coaching staff paid strippers to have sex right, with right, recruits. Right, right, right. They did okay. not. Right. Of course that... it's unprecedented. <laughs> it's unprecedented to have a combination of six-figure payments, stripper right. and hooker parties, and a legendary coach all in one Do be not. outed at the same time. Do not sully the name. Of Rick Pitino's brother-in-law, who died in 9-11, <laughs> no. and then had the dormitory named after him. And there were people engaging in sexual acts there, which discussed the Pitino family, the whole family, and me. Do not sully their name. You know what? I really, I, I'm I'm sort of on board with this new uh, defense of, hey, there's no precedent for this. You can't issue out that punishment for this transgression. There's no precedent. Hey, I'm sorry I had 19 severed heads in my you freezer, but there's no precedent for this, 19 life sentences. You can't punish me that th- way. This is actually the case to set precedent, and here's how you do it. It's very simple. Precedent. You tell the NCAA you do whatever you want. You erase the history books. Don't erase the history books. Burn, burn the books. We don't care, but here's what's not coming down. Those banners. And, in fact, we are going to acknowledge every one of those victories, and you have no control over what we do too bad. And then you call Mark Coyle, and you tell him, Mark, the 97 banner's going back up, and everyone else says, bleep the NCAA, which is in itself a corrupt group of crooks, right? So who cares? Everybody put your banners back up and stand up to this group of villains. I just love the argument. Hey, sorry, the people that did it, they're gone. You can't hurt the program now. You can't hurt these kids. Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah, we can. Because that, that makes you mad. And that's I, what we're doing here. I agree. They should keep the banners up. Keep but them sh- up. but you know those like those strip club like sinners where it's the silhouette of the stripper. That should just be the background of the banner. <laughs> 2013 Louisville with like a stripper silhouette in the background. <gasps> so it stays there forever. Sort of like that. Uh, how much are you guys watching SNL these days? Um, like once a month, I would say. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I'm not too much. Tune in in uh, two Saturdays, March 3rd, because making his fourth appearance as host, Sir Charles. Wow. It's happening. That means he's one away from being a five-timer. So he'll Five-timers be in the- club will be great. But yes, his fourth appearance as host, wow. I had no idea. Is he? Do we have any uh, like evidence of him being good on that show in, in the previous ones? I don't really recall. There was one in the 90s, but then two are more recent, like 2010, 2012. So it's still been, what, five, six years okay. now. But yeah, I'm, I'm watching. I don't care if he's been good or not. I'm still watching. I'm in for that. I wonder if he's they... Four to, wow, yeah. Because they've done, I think, an Inside the NBA mock on SNL before. I wonder they've if they bring that back two. with him being on the panel. It'd be kind of funny. Or maybe him playing Shaq. That would be brilliant. <laughs> That would be absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> we all remember this from Sunday, right? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, we just tried to play a little Fergie. <laughs> well, you know, she apologized and said, well, you know, okay, I guess it wasn't very good. Do you remember Jimmy Kimmel was in the crowd and the cameras caught him kind of smirking, <laughs> laughing? He addressed that yesterday. Here's the thing about taking risks. When it comes to the national anthem, don't. Just <laughs> don't. 
when you're doing brain surgery. Don't take risks when you're driving a school bus or singing the national anthem. Just regular is fine. But she apologized, which she didn't need to do. It sounded like she was intentionally trying to ruin the song. And in Fergie's defense, we don't know what Francis Scott Key was thinking when he wrote the Star Spangled Banner. True. Maybe he wanted it to be sexy. Same thing with our, our neighbors up north. You know, maybe their national anthem is supposed to be, oh, Canada. <laughs> He's got a good point. That's <laughs> true. Sometimes things get lost in translation. Oh, that's a great last line. Just Bob make it Ryan. Quick. That's it. Boston Globe, legendary sports writer. Still writes once in a while, I think. Still makes an appearance once in a while on Around the Horn, as he did yesterday. This must have been pre-show. Uh, Around the Horn tweeted this out, and we had a loyal listener uh, send me the uh, the tweet or tweeted at me, which was wonderful to do. Bob Ryan just chatting before the show about the old days drinking in Boston, drinking in Fenway Park when sports writers could hang out after a ball game, drink with coaches and managers and the owners, and then he got into a story about the other great drinking town in the American League. The best press woman in the league, and well, I'll shut up after this, because of the traditional reverence for the media and, and the tradition. No, Minnesota, because of the Griffiths. The famous story, and this is the promise I will shut up, gospel truth. The record leaving the uh, Minnesota press room was 5 a.m. after an afternoon game. Wow. Oh, come on. That is hard for me. I'm just telling you the story. <laughs> now, I, I wasn't present for that. That is a story that was told over and over again to me when I, when I uh, got on the beat. And, and so, and I, and I, but so five in the morning after an afternoon game. That's the AL record as far as we know. I believe Pat has told that story before. Yes. Yeah. No. They were down. Uh, like when they were done, they would go down to a separate room, like yeah, the by twins the clubhouse. Room. Yeah. Yeah. The twins' room, and that—that's the story that he tells about when when the bartender uh, told Bill Mazarowski that he could turn the double play better than Maz could. <laughs> yeah. Who was a Hall of Fame player because of, of his defense, and so they cleared all the tables and chairs away, and Maz Maz came in with the slide. While the bartender tried to turn the double play, played the second baseman, and Maz sent him just flying up in the air. <laughs> I've never heard Came, this story. Oh, it's a great Roycey story. But this is, yeah, that's that's the old Mets stadium days. And Roycey said there were several times where where post-game he would go downstairs to the Twins room, and the next time that they would come outside, it was daylight. That's the great dad story. The, the the world's greatest dad story was the one where he got home. It was daylight. I'm sure he, he was still tipsy. His kid was at the bus stop, and his first wife starts to yell about, you know, you're never home. He goes, what do you mean? No, what other dad comes to see his kids off to school and is up with a bus? I'm the greatest dad in the world. Oh, yeah, that was all twin, twins' room stories. And then there's the the winter meeting story down in New Orleans back in the 70s where oh, yeah. Pat stumbled back home after, uh, or back to the hotel after a long night of drinking yeah. and showed up around, I don't know, like 6 or 7 a.m., uh, can we get a wake-up call around uh, 5.15? Uh, sir, it's 7 o'clock. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, that's good. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Mackie Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, you know, Luther Brookdale Toyota is uh, the best car dealership in the Twin Cities and the best service department for my money. There's a reason why my family and I have been going to the same place for the last three-plus decades and and uh, going to the same people. So if you want to check out the amazing pre-owned vehicle selection, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com is the place to go here. Because we're t- so one of the best parts about Toyotas, 
They're so durable. And if you combine that with the service department at Luther, uh, there's a reason why 80% of the Toyotas that were on the road 20 years ago are still on the road today. And uh, if you go right now, you can find selections of all kinds of stuff, like you know, newer pre-owned vehicles from 2015, 14. Some of the best values are when you go back, maybe you find something that's about 10 years old that has 150,000 miles on it that you know a lot of people might not give a second look to because, oh, that's a lot of miles. But you can drive that for another 100,000 if you get it serviced by these people. And you can get great deals on pre-owned vehicles up and down the lot. So again, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com or just stop in on your way home from work tonight at 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They're not teaching uh, Sunday school class in terms of morality. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Help fight type 1 diabetes by joining 1500 ESPN and Channel 5 and 45 at Mall of America this Saturday. It's the JDRF One Walk. You can join Team KSTP, co-captained by our very fit Phil Mackey as well as Channel 5's Chris Eggert and Megan Newquist help us raise money for type 1 diabetes research. All team members receive a free Team KSTP t-shirt. You can join or donate. Just head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Together, we can turn type 1 into type none. Thank you, Dave. Uh, just reading the uh, big climb results here, too. Not only did this guy not pass by out. the way, on doing that. Thank you. It was I didn't fun. Get to congratulate you. Uh, this guy did not finish in last place. He finished with uh, a slightly above average time. So I, it took me. It's like a mile of steps. Imagine climbing steps for a mile, right? Someone <laughs> did it in seven minutes and twenty-eight seconds. How is that even possible? Like, running a mile in seven minutes is an achievement in itself, sure. at least for me, without passing out. But doing it with steps involved. Are you impressed? That's aggressive. Dave? Yeah, I'm okay. impressed because I mean I'm I'm impressed by by most things that take that much work. So. Sure, D- give me a ballpark. How many people do you think were there, Phil? Climbing. Uh, there's actually numbers here. It looks like there were 481 finishers, 217 men, and I was like 140th or something out of 217 men. So, but if bo- you look below around, the average men, but men women combined, you were better than average. Correct. If you if you look around the room before this thing starts, it's like everyone has been doing CrossFit for 10 years, <laughs> and then it's me. <laughs> so, are they all in shape, and then there's oh, yeah. just you standing there? Oh yeah, like warming up. Not even that. Like I stretched my quads a little bit, but they had full groups of people doing pre-climb yoga and. Partner stretching. How much pain were, were you in by the end of this, or the next oh, day? By, the next day, I should actually say. the next day. It wasn't quite as. It was like I still had the cardio cough. You know when you, when you just like you you exert yourself and you cough for three days after. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the cardio cough. Yeah. I've no. never had a cardio cough. Well, oh. it's because you're in shape. <laughs> oh, the car. What? <laughs> I don't even know where to. I've never heard of the cardio cough, like but I they can had, identify. They yeah. had people yeah. before this race started with the headphones on and doing the like running in place to get the heart rate up and super serious looks on their faces. And I'm, lo- I'm You're looking sitting around there in your tight shorts and your headband. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> 1975. He's Red, got, white, and blue. Yeah, he's headband. got the tall socks with the stripes on oh. top. Yeah, people people had uniforms and they had their full like Under Armour gear on and stuff. I had a blue T shirt that said "My cat is my therapist" or something. <laughs> like, are you sure hey, that you're in good enough shape? Hey, to be you, doing this? you finished for a good cause. Yes, yeah, that's great. And fantastic. Then, uh, and then this weekend, uh, Mall of America for that JDRF walk. That uh, I've done that. David that's fun. Time, well. It's a good time. Cool.
Am I going to pass out from that too? There's no steps in that walk. Is easy there's escalators? As Royce and I actually did, did that walk about five years back, so okay. I can guarantee you, you will not pass out. If Patrick you, and I accomplished it. You can do it. Can you take a pause at the Cinnabon with that one? I'm sure you could. Yes, you could. I mean, grab a. I did not, but you could do that. Grab an iced coffee or something from a Starbucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. I think they should just doable. do the walk through the food court area. Just go up to three and go to both <laughs> food courts. We, we spent enough time in, in the food court. Apparently, that street, that Italian street food place that was right outside our, our Radio Row exit or yeah. entrance. Piata. Someone told me the week after, oh, that place, I'm sure you probably went there every day, right? It's amazing. I'm like, I honestly, there were so many bodies. Couldn't get through. Right. It was impossible. The Shake Shack was packed the whole time. Kirk Cousins was at the Shake Shack. Yes, How he are was. we supposed to get to the Shake Shack? With his hat pulled down low. Um, so you have Mr. Fixit is going to make his return to yeah. the Mackie and Judd show here. Well, I've got a I've got a question, and then I've got a fix, both Olympic related that I hope can I hope can help out and and clear some things up. Okay, so we'll get to that from the uh, TCL broadcast studios 